I am so happy to have these magnificent people with me on this screen today because each one of them has a story to tell. And you're going to be fascinated to learn how hope has been a part of what has brought them goodness in their pain life or the pains in their life. So I'd like to first introduce a Jeff. Jeff, would you introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about what the loss and the grief has been in your life that you'd like to share today? Okay, well, in my family, there's myself, my wife, Joanne, and we have two daughters, Christina and Melinda. And it turns out last Friday was the 20th anniversary of Melinda's death. Um, and her death is actually tied to her birth. She was born with hydrocephalus. I'll let you look it up on the internet. Uh, basically, she had some brain issues. And when she was 11 years old, something went wrong in her brain. And basically, she stopped breathing. Mm. So it was a sudden, unexpected event. Yeah. And it's always associated with the Thanksgiving season, isn't it, Jeff? Uh, yes. That yes. year, she died um, the Monday morning after uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Jeff, thank you for telling us what your loss is that you're going to talk about today. Eliana, would you give us a, just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the loss that happened in your life? My name is Eliana Burgos. I'm originally from Argentina. On December 24th, 1992, I turned 18 November 30th. And on December 24th, just a few days later, my, uh, my family had a car accident. So I lost my mom, my dad, my brother, who just turned 20 in October that same year, and my grandma, who was also in the car. And so your loss story, the deep pain of multiple family members that no longer were with you, is yes. associated to another holiday. Yes. The Christmas yes. holiday. Christmas holiday. Yes. We're going to hear more from you in a little bit. Thank you, Eliana, for sharing your story. We have Ethan with us. Ethan, why don't you share your name and what loss has happened in your life? Hey, hello. My name is Ethan. I am a freshman at Southern Adventist University. And... Um, I feel blessed because I haven't had any huge losses, have any family members gone, but I would say a big loss in my life is that um, COVID-19 just started and was at its peak the, the second half of my a senior year. And it was just, it was a new experience and it was different and everyone was unaware and all my sports trips, everything was canceled. And it, at the moment it seemed very big. So, yes, I would say that has definitely impacted my life pretty big. And Ethan, you're right. I like the way you said at the moment it was very big. Right. And um, I, I really appreciate you joining us here because um, we get a, a broader spectrum of what losses are. They're not all death related. So mm -hmm. you're going to bring something to the table here. Thanks, Ethan, for being here. Yeah. Pastor Mel, tell us what your story, your lost story is. Yeah, as, as I sit here, I'm actually thinking to myself, which one? Um, I've had so many losses in my life. And originally, I was going to talk about the loss of my brother and my father. 
my, my brother uh, died a month ago. My father died 27 years ago. But I talk a little bit about that in my uh, sermonette, so I'm going to skip those. Uh, and I'm, I want to talk about, I wanna talk about the, the loss of our old normal as a family. When three summers ago, my wife was diagnosed with uh, uh, MS. Thank you, Pastor Mel. That is another excellent example yes. when life changes and we have to make an adaptation to that change. And that process of adapting to that, the common word that we use is the word grief. And so what I really want to be able to express among us here and those that are watching is that this is not a time, nor is it important ever to compare one's loss with another one's loss, because your loss is your loss. My loss is my loss. And we're here to honor that and to support you through that loss. Um, so I'm gonna kind of wrap up with the introductions. I'm Karen Nicola and the major and significant loss that brought me into the place of becoming a grief educator and a grief coach took place 35 years ago when our three and a half year old son died of leukemia. As 28 year old parents, we were completely unprepared for what that experience of death and grief was going to be in our lives. But that's actually why we've come here um, together is to discuss where hope fits in to that devastating pain, that disappointing pain, that shift and gnarly pain that says life will never be the same as we once knew it. So what we'd like to find out is um, when in your loss and grief story, did it begin to shift towards hope or hopefulness for you? And any one of you can go, yep, I'll take a turn. <laughs> Please don't be shy. Well, I'll start. Oh, um, yeah. Well, because Mindy's uh, birth was unusual and stressful, we actually had to grieve um, the future. I think most parents expect a normal, you know, you're going to have a nice, healthy baby and have a wonderful life with your child. She was born with hydrocephalus. Um, so grieving an expected future and living in the unknown, uh, hope began um, being developed then when our daughter did quite well. And mm. at the end of death, um, actually when, when we were working to save her life, uh, the picture, the image that came to my mind was uh, Jesus and the Father in heaven. And I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew they were present and I knew they saw. Um, and I did not, uh, I was, we were not alone. So it's, it's right, right at the very beginning, you had a, an image of the presence of God. You had a sense of reality of the presence of God and you were not alone. And that brought you hope to just take the next breath, to take the next step. Jeff, thank you. Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Eliana, what about yourself? When did hope begin for you? 
For me, it was kind of like in different stages. And I read a, um, about the stages of grief a while ago. And I realized that acceptance is one of the last stages of grief. Not everybody goes through the same process in the same way, but when you get to the point of acceptance is you're actually learning to move forward with your life. And for me, it was in, in different ways. One of those ways was to know that there were people who cared so much for me that they were willing, the institution, the Adventist church, actually, they, because I just finished high school, they paid for uh, the tuition for my entire career. And that gave me a lot of hope because I didn't know what I was going to do with my life and if I was going to be able to afford it and how at the time that the accident happened. That was one thing that gave me a lot of hope. And I saw, I, I felt so much love from members of the church, members of the community, my friends, my friends, parents who wanted, they, they just were my parents. They became my parents at that, that moment. Another time was uh, when I met my husband and then we decided to get married. That gave me a lot of hope because up until that, that point, I wasn't really sure. I didn't feel like somebody was gonna be able to see me as a regular person instead of just, oh, this lady has so much baggage and I don't know if I can deal with that. So knowing my husband loved me so much and he wanted to get married to me, that gave me so much hope for the future. And another time was when uh, I became a mother. That gave me so much hope for the future. So many Christmases to look forward in the future because it was really hard at the beginning to enjoy Christmas, not to feel like a burden to other people who didn't lose anybody and who had like a normal family. Sometimes at the beginning, I felt like if I was spending time with them during Christmas time, that they will feel bad for me and nobody will enjoy Christmas. So I was trying to put out this happy face. Oh, I'm already over it. I'm so fine. Everything's good. So other people will not feel the burden to having to spend Christmas with me. And, um, but people, I don't, I don't think people at the time felt that way, but that's how I felt uh, being 18 years old. I felt like I was a burden during Christmas time for some people. And, but I don't think I was, I was just feeling it like that way. So looking forward to the future, looking uh, forward to um, the promise of Jesus coming back, that gave me so much hope because I knew the same way that Jesus came the first time, he's coming the second time. And looking at the resurrection, looking at the second coming, that is what gave me the most hope. Oh, Eliana, thank you so much. And how, how, what a testimony to the people that were around you and that their capacity to support you in that devastating, um, overwhelming absence of, of all the people you loved and that they came through for you. Mm -hmm. And that was a definite um, spark of hope 
And I love that you credit your husband's um, love for you as hope. That is, that is beautiful. And then your own daughters, that is, yeah. So hope can come from a variety of places. So Ethan, you lived in this senior COVID year last year, unprecedented. Nobody had ever done it before. So many losses through your senior year, tours, trips, games, and of course, graduation. Um, you were telling me a little earlier that it was awful for you and you really were overwhelmed by that. Um, do you want to talk about that just briefly and then tell us when it shifted for you when you started to feel some hope? Yeah, so I was, I, it was so funny. So I always like, I remember just like from being little, I remember I would, the big thing was I would always think about my senior graduation and what it looked like. And like, I, and then I got to like, and then I remember I watched, I have an older sister. And then I remember I got to sit through and watch my older sister graduate from high school and big ceremony in the gym. So exciting. Everyone was there. Confetti was being blown up. It was, it was such a good experience. And in my head, I was like, four years from now, that's going to be me. And like, I had this picture and I, I remember I would think about that scene all the time. And like, that was my freshman year when I watched her graduate. And then sophomore year, I watched another graduation, another huge big one. And I was like, oh man, three more years, it's going to be me. And I remember at the beginning of my senior year, like the one thing that got me so excited about it was what this I, this graduation that I knew what it was going to look like. I was like, I'm going to be able to experience that. I'm going to be able to have all this confetti blown. I'm going to be able to like have all these people packed up in a gym. Everyone's cheering, you know, I got to be with my class and everything. And uh, when the second semester hit and COVID started to hit, I remember it was, it was just brand new to everybody. It was like brand new to me. And the more and more that things like start to come out and the more that I started to see at first I tried to ignore it like oh man it's never gonna like we're never it's never gonna hit us it's never impact us and then the more and more things started to get canceled the more it slowly started to become a reality to me but it was like such a gradual process because it felt like all like all the good things in my life were being taken away and I was like oh man like our last big trip was canceled my volleyball my senior volleyball season completely canceled um just every everything started to be canceled and i was like i didn't know how to feel because no one has ever gone through this before so i was it was hard for me to go around and just ask people like hey what do you do during a global pandemic during your senior year and everyone was like i, I don't know i've never <laughs> i've never done that and so i i remember my first attitude that i was trying to have was i want to make sure that i'm being there for people and so i put up this like persona this attitude like i was strong and I knew how I was going to get through this. I, I definitely put up that mask. And deep down inside, I was just hurting because I was like, am I supposed to be, am I overreacting to this situation? Am I, I, I didn't know how to react. And so I would say definitely where hope came into play was that I, I found hope through, through the conversations that I was having, having with people. Um, it was definitely um, talking to friends about it, talking to my parents, um, definitely talking um, to teachers about it, and just like the support that people were telling me, and they were, and and the things that they were telling me were like, hey, what you're feeling is like 100% valid. Like your feelings are valid. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to go through it, you know. And 
it, it was, I was so frustrated because I didn't want to talk to people because I was like, you have all this empathy for me, but you're never going to feel what I'm going through, you know? And it's like, you get to still have your senior or you got to have your senior graduation still. And like, I just, I wish I could just wake up from a dream and wish that had never happened, you know? But then I remember as, especially as I talked to the teachers, the teachers at Pine Hills where I attended were, were definitely probably big pillars that I said that helped me get through it because I remember I would just call some of them because they were, they were making it very clear, like, Hey, we're here for you guys, especially the seniors. And if you want to talk or anything like um, reach out to us. And I remember I called some of them and they were just telling me like, it, it was that, it was, that's when like the hope started to slowly come into play. And it was just like, they were telling me like, you like you don't have to know all the answers right now. Nobody knows all the answers right now. But the one thing that's going to get you through this is knowing that there's always going to be a better outcome, you know, even and like knowing that God is always going to be in control, you know, no matter even during our hard times. And I, I still got a graduation. It wasn't the ideal one, but it was it, I considered it a great graduation. I got to have it out in the field. Um, and so it's like the little blessings. And it, it was honestly just taking it one day at a time, like no one says you have to know the future. And I always, I always, after that, after my senior year, I always look at the verse where God says, you don't need to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough problems of its own. And I'm like, I think God didn't give us the ability to see in the future because I think if we could see in the future, we would all just go insane, you know? And he, he didn't give us that ability because he just wants us to take it one day at a time and wants us to be able to be like, hey, can you lean on me just today? Is, that's all I'm asking for, you know? And he's not asking for these like huge things, you know? And so by me taking it one day at a time, it was hard, but through just talking to people, having all that support, all that love. Now, after going through my first semester of college, I look back on it and I'm like, I, I, I mean, like it wasn't ideal, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world, you know? And it's like, in the moment, it felt like the world was just collapsing at my fingertips. But now that I, I'm glad I got through that because now I can like look in hindsight and be like, wow, like God was really working, you know, and he works through people. And like, I'm very grateful for that. So. Oh, Ethan, thank you so much for your story. And that reminder yeah. that um, God invites us to take it just one day at a time to not worry about the future, but just live fully present today. And mm -hmm. that's a great reminder. Thanks, Ethan. Pastor Mel. When did um, the transition towards yeah. hopefulness take place after Julie's diagnosis? Well, of course, there was the, the initial shock. And just like what uh, uh, Ethan uh, had said, you feel like the, your, your whole world is, is, is uh, caving in on you. And uh, there was a, some period of time when I thought that really I was going to be a widower um, very mm. soon. Mm. Um, and having to raise two kids alone. So all those things go through your mind. And, it, you know, it has a, a very debilitating effect on how you function every day. Mm -hmm. But I already know in my heart about all the things that, uh, um, that Jeff and Ileana <clears throat> talked about. So those are, to me, I've always accepted those things. And they're, they're to me, they're real. Uh, the coming of our Lord, the you know the the expectation of His coming, 
that's not where I dwelt. Uh, that's not where my mind focused on. Um, <clears throat> because to me, those assurances are very real already. So what really helped me is basically just readjusting my everyday to where, they're, they're, you know, and, and starting a new rhythm of life for all of us. And then focusing on those rhythms, the new rhythms, the new normals, the things that we could do to help mom, to help my wife, to help each other, and to live for every moment and to enjoy those moments. So it's, it's, it's really, uh, it's, um, it's, a, it's a little weird because hope is normally something that you project into the future. To me, hope reversed into the present. Just like, a little bit like what, uh, uh, what Ethan said. It's, you know, um, trying to get a handle on how to, um, how to prevent uh, uh, Julie's, uh, Julie's, uh, um, uh, Julie from, you know, from, from evolving into this, uh, you know, attacks that she, she would periodically have, which were very, very, very scary. Um, and to be able to learn how to manage that and to now learn how to be more united as a family uh, around mom and around each other. Those are the things that gave me hope because then I realized, you know what, this, this isn't too bad. I mean, we can live with this new normal by the grace of God and, um, and we can actually prevent our minds uh, by, in, uh, from thinking about the worst case scenario by just doing the little things each moment. Mm. That is great, Mel. And it makes me think of the passage um, that Paul states that we are saved by hope. And I, you know, that could go a, a, a whole bunch of different directions. It could go a theological direction that, you know, we are saved for eternity by hope. Um, but I also see it as a saving for everyday life um, by the hope that comes to us because we know we are loved. Like Jeff said, we know that God is present with us. Like like you and Ethan said, Mel, that 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 day-to-day living is um, hope-filled because God will guide our steps, he'll direct us, and we can live with that kind of love. For me, it was the hope in the actual healing for my broken heart. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, I will heal your broken heart. And I just decided that God was either an outright liar and it was just a nice little platitude or he really meant what he said and choosing to believe that he really meant what he said brought the hope for me that the healing of my broken heart was in his hands. He would initiate that healing and bring it all the way through. Then there's this bigger, big back picture of the hope of his return and an earth made new and no more tears and no more disappointments. Um, and so all of that um, big picture hope is certainly another piece that we hold as um, Christians that, that believe in the hope of Jesus, second return. But I want to change this just for a little bit. And... Um, I'm not going to ask anybody specifically, so I'm going to just ask you to just jump right in. When we think of the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus, and that's a past event, 
where and how does this Christmas story build hope in us as well? I'll start this one. Okay, Pastor. To me, I, I, no, that's okay. Uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Liliana. I'll, I'll give away. Ladies first. <laughs> For me, the story of Jesus, it even starts at the beginning in Genesis because that was the plan of salvation. It was already decided at the beginning in Genesis. There's going to be a savior. Somebody, when, when sin came into the world, the Savior is coming. And humanity had to wait for a few years. But eventually, Jesus came as a baby. And he's all over the Old Testament. He came. He gave us hope. He showed us the true way of worshiping, how to keep the Sabbath, a lot of different ways that were different and they, that uh, we had to learn through him and through his example and he also showed us a way to the Father. He was the way, the truth, and the life. And if you know me, you know the Father. So he showed us a better way to communicate with God the Father. And he also pointed us, it pointed us to the future, to his second coming. So for me, baby Jesus is not just one day that he was born. For me, it's the entire New Testament from the beginning of the world. He was already planned. He came, he fulfilled that prophecy by becoming a baby, live his life, save the world. And then he also projected us, projected uh, our hope to the future and he's coming again. So for me, Christmas represents all that. The big story, the whole story. <laughs> Pastor Mel, what about you? Yes, I think uh, it's similar to um, what Liliana said. She said it very, very eloquently. To me, Christmas, I see Christmas as not just a single event. It, it's the beginning of a series of events that started with the announcement of the, the, the coming of Jesus Christ and also then and then uh, bounded also on, the, on this end by uh, his resurrection from the dead. That totality, to me, is the foundation of our hope. Without that totality which Christmas started and, and the, the empty tomb ended, the launching of the, of the kingdom of God, without that as foundation, we have no hope. Because you know what God says he will do to us in the future is predicated on what he did for us already. And if he, and if he is trustworthy, and he, he did exactly what he said he would do. He resurrected Jesus Christ exactly what he said he would do. Then that, to me, is the basis for all our hopes. Thank you, Pastor Mel. Ethan, you want to tell us, does Christmas have any hope pieces for you? Mm, I would, I think, I, mine kind of goes off of what Mrs. Burgo said. I'm just about, it, like, the birth of Christ, it gives us this, I, for me, it gives me hope that God follows through with his promises. And like, you know, from like, exactly, it started in the very beginning where God already said that he was going to send his son, you know, and, and it's like, if you look at all the Old Testament, it's just people like struggling with that hope, you know, trying to find that, that savior, you know, and like, 
And it's like, it's finally when Jesus comes, it just shows that God like fulfills his promises. And it's like a way of him telling me that like, this is like, a sh- if, like this should be assurance enough that like the promises that I say in the Bible, you know, like I forgive you, you know, I want to give you a new heart, you know, a heart of flesh, you know, um, I want to dwell inside you. And I send the Holy spirit to be with you. Like all these promises, they're, they, they're true because it, just through the birth of Christ showing that God follows through, you know, and I don't, I don't know that that definitely comforts me when I think about the the birth of Christ. That is such a cool idea. Thank you, Ethan, so much. God follows through and it's evident by Jesus's birth and the story and everything that happened. Jeff, what about you? How does the Christmas story generate hope for you? This is the same thing. I, Felt the day Mindy died, the presence of God. My one of my favorite names of Jesus this time of year is Emmanuel, God with us. And and as that life, you know, it's not just an intellectual experience, but he experienced life as a human. He experienced hope. And recently I've seen hope as the ability to hang on to joy and grief. At the same time, uh, hope is having a defiance against despair that can uh, arise. And um, he shows me how uh, to live with hope, to hang on to joy and grief at the same time. Mm, thank you, Jeff. So for me, I'm, I kind of take that same approach, Jeff, um, Jesus is foretold, is declared as to be, uh, his name shall be Emmanuel, God with us. And to me, that is such a foundation for hope that he is with us in our pain, in our darkness, in our fear, in our uh, unknowns of the future, in our devastation of the present. Um, He is with us. He's not absent. He's not far away. He is with us. Emmanuel, God with us. That name that is given to him primarily at this story time of the year of his life, of his birth, um, is highly significant for me. And that coming to be with us, he came in the form of humanity. And that is so hope filling for me that he knows and understands exactly the um, life of humanity, that he is acquainted with sorrow and grief and loss. This has been a part, it was a part of his life experience because he shares our humanity. Um, So we have so much to connect hope with in our lives, even in the darkest times, the most grievous times. We have evidences of such beautiful love and connection from people around us as we've heard our stories, and certainly the absolute um, relentless love and connection that comes from God the Father, Jesus, and the Spirit. So do we have things to be hopeful for? Do we have a reason or a cause to be hopeful for? I would say we do. What do you guys say? Of course. Absolutely. This has been wonderful sharing with you. We hope you have a blessed and wonderful Sabbath, and um, we'll let Mel take it from here.
Advent is that time of the year when we celebrate and prepare for the coming of our Lord. We believe in Advent as Seventh-day Adventists, and we apply its meaning both to Jesus' first coming and also to his anticipated, much-anticipated second coming. So we celebrate Advent, or Christmas, if you will. Uh, we make preparations for, uh, for it by focusing on, on these four biblical virtues, which is what we're going to be doing these next four Sabbaths. The virtues of hope, love, joy, and peace. As you have seen in our around table discussion just now, today we have started this with the virtue of hope. Christmas is a good time to put grief, loss, and hope together as one, for Christmas in many ways is a time of contradictions. It's a time of endings. The year is coming to a close, so we are instinctively taking stock of the events, the moments, the days, the weeks, and the months that have gone by. We are reminiscing this time of the year. We are nostalgic for some happy moments in the past uh, we want so badly to resurrect, but could not. And as we think about the past, our minds think about our griefs, our losses in life, and we have many of them. A few of them I am going to mention just now. The loss of family harmony, for example, the loss of health, the loss of job, the loss of a friend, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a pet, the loss of a friendship, the loss of intimacy, the loss of physical ability, the loss of the comforts of home, the loss of innocence, the loss of time, and the list goes on. And Christmas stirs all these things up within us. I received this Facebook post from a friend just today, and already he is anticipating the sadness of Christmas. He says, and I quote, Some of us have problems during the holidays and are overcome with great sadness when we remember the loved ones who are not with us any longer. For many, it is their first Christmas without a particular loved one, and many others lost loved ones at Christmas. And many people have no one to spend these times with and are besieged with loneliness. We all need caring, loving thoughts right now. But of course, Christmas is not just about grief and loss. Christmas is also about hope. Christmas is, as we say, a season of hope. From a secular point of view, hope really isn't real. As a matter of fact, ancient philosophers do not even regard hope as a virtue. But in the biblical sense, in the Christian sense, hope is real. It is real because it isn't dependent on human temperament, on human circumstances, on human possibilities. Hope is real from the perspective of Christians because it, de it depends entirely on the faithfulness of God. 
Notice how 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 expresses the solid basis for our hope, containing past acts of God, the present acts of God, which now projects into our hope, into the future. Here's how it reads, and I quote, He who rescued us from such a deadly peril will continue to rescue us. On him we have set our hope that he will rescue us again. There's a new reality on the ground, and this is in this text and many other texts in, in, in the New Testament scripture, in our Bible, speak about this new reality. The past acts of God, the present acts of God, these are realities that we are living with or living in at this time. What do we mean by a new reality on the ground? Well, simply this, that God, when, Jesus, when he resurrected Jesus Christ from the dead, won a great victory over all his enemies. God, in Jesus Christ, has already launched his kingdom, and he is calling you and me to align ourselves with this new reality on the ground so that we can be the proof, the living proof, that this new reality, this kingdom actually does exist and it does work. Second Corinthians 5.17 says it really well. It says, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And when it comes to our griefs and losses, we align ourselves to this new reality on the ground by injecting our own losses and our own griefs with this Christian hope. The only thing that can satisfy our griefs and our losses in this side of eternity is no less than hope itself. And hope, when we fully embrace it, brings with it joy and peace. As you have heard in our panel discussion, I have had to deal with my own losses in life. My father has been gone for about 27 years now, and it took me a good part of a decade to, to begin to heal from the trauma of my father's death. I had nightmares every night, and that is not an overstatement, nightmares every night for eight years, and I kept it to myself. My father always coming to me in my nightmares, in my dreams, every night, begging me to help him. And I would always, and my dreams would always end up the same way. I would be unable to help my dad. That nightmare scenario repeated itself again and again. And I was haunted by the thoughts of him being lost forever. I remember the initial days the first few days after he, uh, after he, we, we buried my dad. And I remembered that, that, that terrible feeling of fear that I will never see my dad ever again. I was haunted by my inability to bring peace to my family before he died. The new reality on the ground 
could not touch my grief and my loss. I felt powerless and I felt hopeless. For a period of over a decade, I sunk into deep depression every Christmas time. Christmas to me was like Christmas to my friend on Facebook. Christmas to me was a time of deep depression and deep sadness. Christmas to me was miserable. And when my brother died over a month ago, as many of you know, I stared my old friend yet again. Hello darkness, my old friend. My unresolved pain resurfaced and I started to have my trauma stare me in the face once again. But God has been good to me. I have found some healing over the loss of my father and my brother, both of them dying at the same age, both of them carrying the same name. And it is simply this. By the grace of God, I release both of them to God as my faithful father. I gave them up and I gave them over to my heavenly father. This is absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing that I can do for them to help them. Of course, they've already lived, lived their lives. Their lives are over. Now they are safe in the arms of a loving father, infinitely more loving than I give him credit for. And now I simply cling to a simple hope, the Christian hope, not the forlorn hope of seeing them again in heaven. That too I have released to God. But the sure hope, the sure hope that just as God was faithful in, in, in doing the things that he said he would do in Jesus Christ, in setting up this new reality underground, just as he was able to do all those things and therefore providing the basis for my hope for the future, so therefore I release my father and my brother to my Father in heaven, knowing that somehow God will indeed, as he promised, make all things new, and that somehow, somehow my Father, my faithful, my loving Father, will have a place for my earthly Father and my earthly brother in that new place, in that earth made new. Let us pray. Lord God, loving Father, your faithfulness gives us hope. What you did at Christmas in preparing for the advent of Jesus ties together all your faithfulness in his life his passion, his death, and his resurrection. Your faithfulness is the basis for our hope. You saved us. You continue to save us. And you will save us again. You are making all things new.
and we put our faith in you because of what we have seen you do in Jesus. This Christmas, Lord, help us to release all our griefs and losses, to hand them over to you. Create in us this character of hope. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.